One is is hug on, hold on, don't let go of peace. Don't let don't let your inner peace be um be in, impinged upon by any person or anything. Create your life. Create ta propre vie. Create your life. Beautiful people, this is the Create Your Life series. I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown, and today we have an amazing guest. He's actually um, someone who is actually a fellow inductee of the inaugural 2017 Black Enterprise Modern Man um, selection and class. And so uh, this brother is a Georgetown University certified health coach, founder of both Sunlight and Yoga Holistic Wellness Center the executive director of the Black Male Yoga Initiative, and he provides workshops, informational videos, retreats, books, private and group consulting to individuals and organizations that seek transformational change. Uh, Beautiful people, this is no other than uh, Mr. Changa Bell. Changa, please say hello to the Create Your Life series family. Hey, man. Uh, Kevin, first I want to just thank you for having me on such a powerful program and podcast like this. Is an honor to be, uh, you know, mentioned among some of the fabulous brothers that we met uh, this year in August at that Black Enterprise uh, BE Modern Man series. So it's just an honor to meet you and an honor to be on the on the program. Thank you for having me. Man, my absolute pleasure. Yeah, when I met you, man, I just felt like this sense of tranquility and calmness about you that, and a lot of us strive to uh, to achieve or just really need. Man, can you please tell us a little bit more about the Black uh, Male Yoga Initiative and who it serves? you know, what you guys are up to. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's an organic process right now because we're young. It it was founded in November of 2015, and we educate, engage, and empower black men by having them trained as uh, yoga professionals. Basically, you get certified as a RYT 200, which is a registered yoga teacher. You'd be registered in compliance with the national standards under the Yoga Alliance. Uh, And so at the, at the, the current moment, we serve a lot of um, juvenile offenders here in Baltimore, uh, some foster youth. And, uh, you know, it, it's a little harder for us to get the men 40 and over. Uh, the stigma attached with yoga is that it's mostly for young white women or black men feel like, oh, I play a little ball. I, you know, I, I run. I'm good. So um, the mission says that we serve 16 to 65. But right now, I'm hard, it's, it's harder getting those 40 to 65. Uh, men into the program and I wanted to be clear uh, that black men were welcome because again uh, the the demographic for western yoga right now doesn't necessarily, it it isn't inclusive Uh, so not that we exclude anyone 
Mm-hmm. But I wanted to be clear. I wanted to, you to be able to see it from California all the way to Maryland that, oh, that program is for me. So, uh, you know, we serve black men uh, in the mission only. But uh, again, we're not exclusionary. You could be Asian and a woman and come in and train with us as long as you're comfortable uh, working out with a bunch of, uh, you know, men, basically. Mm, OK, so I know that you had some uh, what you had some challenges that actually got you on this path. What is it that uh, that happened in your life that made you say, you know what, I want to get involved with yoga and I want to do some things uh, differently? Because were you always, you know, into yoga or, you know, a a healthy eater or? No, no, I think um, so. I I know we sort of discussed my background offline and uh, I'm sure you're referring to the the story of me having the heart condition that I had. Um, I was fortunate enough to have a, a dad that was very healthy, um, you know, very health conscious all my life. He's 75 years old now. And, you know, I think he got into health because he lost his parents in his 20s. I think he was 21, actually, when he lost his mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that sort of devastated him and woke him up into uh, preventative care and health. But for me, I say I was fortunate because I didn't always uh, ascribe to his beliefs. I was pretty much rebelled since he was my pops, you know. He's a, um, a drill sergeant in the Army for 37 years. Uh, you know, he was the one that trained drill sar- sergeants. So he's a pretty uh, rough <laughs> and, and uh, you know, committed guy, you know. So I sort of rebelled against that. I wasn't uh, a healthy eater. And basically, Western culture caught up with me. I was one of those every Fridays having buffalo wings, mozzarella cheese sticks, beer, you know, uh, liquor, smoke weed occasionally. I was doing all of that, but the highest stress of living in life. Uh, so it basically caught up with me when I was 30. And I had uh, a situation where my heart uh, just stopped beating. It would stop periodically. It went into a severe arrhythmia. So it started beating off cadence. So that uh, alone had freaked me out. And then to, to, to com- uh, combine with the issue, my heart would periodically stop for what was probably like two or three seconds but felt like, you know, 30, 40 seconds because it was a very freaky thing. So went to the hospital. Um, you know, I stayed in overnight, but because I was a freelance uh, video professional, I didn't have health insurance at the time. Uh, being 30 years old, I had a, a production company that I was operating. And uh, that night, you know, I was scared to go to sleep. I didn't sleep for about 30 hours, uh, maybe 32 hours. I was very terrified. Finally just had to say a really uh, heartfelt prayer, no pun intended. Mm-hmm. Uh, to God, just tell him I would change my ways if he uh, woke me up the following morning. And this uh, was at the hospital? Yeah, this was at the hospital. Okay. I had oxygen on, uh, a bunch of, uh, you know, things taped to my head, to my, my chest, and I just thought I would die. Um, yeah, it was very horrifying. Uh, I was awakened in the middle of the night finally by a, uh, a nurse who had, you know, she was poking me because I guess the heart monitor had went off and I wasn't breathing. Wow. So she poked me to see if I, I was still alive, and I, I opened my eyes and, and said something to her. She screamed a little, you know, she saw a little yell, like, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I know, you know, from that response, I know what probably had happened. Uh, you know, we had some words. She tried to comfort me. She said, oh, I guess it was just a machine, blah, blah, blah. And I said, all right, whatever. I had already made my commitment to God, and I closed my eyes. And uh, to my surprise, uh, you know, I woke up the next morning. And I like to be a man of my word. I kept my integrity, my commitment. So I, I walked out of that hospital still having um, heart issues. I was still scared to sleep uh, most nights. But uh, about a month 
later after I changed my, my ways, I started doing yoga, I started healthy eating, I started juicing, I stopped drinking, smoking weed, all of that. Mm-hmm. And my heart came back on and, and that's what, you know, has me here today in long, long, long story longer. That's what has me here today. Wow. Wow. Talk about doing what's necessary right there in the, in the nick of time, man. So once yeah. you, you stopped making those habits, like, did you have to go on a journey? Like, what was that process like of actually, I guess you know, for lack of a better term, detoxifying your life? Yeah, that's a, that's a, a beautiful question and a, and a powerful way to put it because the yoga that I do is not um, the commercial application that we see mm-hmm. in order to make money In order to make money doing business as a yoga uh, professional or a studio owner, like my wife and I own a studio, you need to have like 20, 30 people in a class. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's not, that's not really yoga. That's a fitness application that they sell folks. Yoga is a lifestyle. It's an eight-tiered science so it encompasses eating a proper way, thinking a proper way, uh, doing asana, which is exercise, uh, quote unquote, uh, every day. It involves prayer, which, uh, you know, the yogis consider meditation. It, it involves mindfulness, which is uh, awareness and focus, which uh, the yogis call concentration. Uh, it has two social codes in terms of hygiene, uh, one for yourself and then in your community, living uh, according to uh, values and principles. So in changing that lifestyle, like you said, detoxifying my lifestyle, I had to change. It became, I always tell people leadership is lonely, you know? So I became a leader of myself mm. and had to seek, seek connection with a, a, you know, a higher source, a source that, that I believe has us all here on the planet. And uh, yeah, so it was, it was a very tough process. Uh, I, I broke up with my, uh, my oldest daughter's mother at that time and you know, just changed everything about my life. Um, and it, it was very hard. It took about three years. Uh, and, you know, and then I still had some ups and downs uh, between now and then. That was 16 years ago. So between now and and then, it was still a, a little bit of, of ebb and flows. I mean, that's what life, life is, you know, these peaks and valleys, these um, moments of suffering and these moments of joy. But yoga tries to have you have, um, you know, not so high of a crest on your joyful moments and not so low of a valley on your sorrowful moments mm. so that you can get through through life with a bit of, uh, you know, not necessarily indifference, but pratahariya is a term that sort of intones being indifferent so that you are, you try to remain neutral and live your life uh, according to these principles. So, yeah, it was a long process. So let me ask you this. In addition to, uh, you know, having your near-death experience, um, you know, there are times where you do you know, of course, you said over a 16 year period of time, you're, you, you know, you're still working to master these things. Right. This this level of uh, tranquility. What else kept you motivated? Because I know there was times, you know, or it's just a natural human inclination, in my opinion, you know, to sometimes take things for granted and stuff like that. But sometimes you're like, OK, you know what? I almost died, but I didn't die. But you kind of want to indulge. But then you you obviously refuse to indulge in certain things. So how did you stay motivated to stay on this path and continue to um to build up to become the changa and the gentleman that you are today. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, again, a, a lovely and very powerful question. Um, there was a time I went to business school at um, at American University. I graduated Kogod, and in there they talked a lot about core values when doing business. And uh, yeah, from a bookish standpoint, I understood what it meant: core values or values, right? Like integrity. Um, uh, I have a value for education, et cetera, but I didn't really understand what core values were. Mm-hmm. So um, I didn't 
understand intrinsically or what I like to call understand. So what happened over that process of, of actually starting to live from my values, uh, that, that is what, um, what kept me motivated to go. And one of my biggest values is peace. And mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, especially speaking to, to black men a lot, I like to um, promote peace because peace, you know, we, we, we get known for sort of sleeping around or not treating women so well or treating or being very sexually oriented. But peace of mind is very important in terms of health, in terms of lifestyle. So, you know, for me, like I've been married 11 years now, it's important to be able to lay next to my wife and not be thinking about some other lady. Right, so I, I value my core value for peace helps keep me in order when I'm out, whether I'm at a social event and you know, I'm still human, I still might find somebody attractive, somebody might find me attractive. There may be a, a moment of intimacy and conversation, but I'm not willing to trade off peace for anything. Like of course I love my wife, uh, with all my heart. That's like my best friend. But still, you know, like I said, and, and I think a lot of black men experience what I experience, uh, you still have uh, desires that come up. But adhering to my value for peace supersedes those. I don't Mm want to be with her thinking about somebody else. I don't want to be with somebody else thinking about her. So in the same way with food, I'm a vegan. I don't Mm want to, um, you know, have premature death uh, because I indulged in too many uh, mozzarella cheese sticks and buffalo wings. So I choose now Mm -hmm. to live a a life that I know scientifically is going to support preventative health. So, you know, that's what it was. Kevin is just, you know, staying close to my values and, and honoring myself and respecting myself. Mm, okay. Now, you know, to become a yoga, you, because you're doing classical yoga, correct? The, the Yeah, classical Hatha yoga. Classical Hatha yoga. Um, where did you go to study this? Uh, yeah, so I looked around in a lot of places here in Baltimore. Um, I mm-hmm. studied in two places. One uh, was a, a, a yoga studio here. It had been around for about 10 years, and um, the lady that owns it, she lived on ashram in Canada. She's half uh, East Indian, and she was very authentic. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's from the Shivananda lineage. And then uh, the other young lady I found uh, that taught me uh, was of the Iyengar lineage. Um, So the interesting thing about that second certification I got is it was not sanctioned by the Yoga Alliance. So, uh, you know, it's basically sort of like not recognized. So it's not in my credentials. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was important to get because Mr. Uh, you know, Sri Sri, I'm not Sri Sri, I'm sorry, Guru Guruji Iyengar just mm-hmm. passed away five years ago at the age of 95. But he believed that uh, yoga was literally for anybody, any biological body. So it's a lot of supportive techniques and things I learned. Uh, so those, those are the two places I trained the Iyengar certification took me a year because it takes four years to be certified there. I'm only level one mm-hmm. certified there. You have to be certified. It takes a year each time, and it goes up to level four. Mm-hmm. Uh, most traditional most traditional RYT 200s, uh, you know, you have 200 hours of learning. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I did that first one in about 10 months. So, you know, that's that, that was the yoga part of that training. Why did you choose to uh, do this particular type of classical yoga when it seems like the others are maybe more profitable or more, um, I guess, bigger in, in the public eye? Yeah, you know, uh, I wasn't able to discern that there were business applications until I started uh, five years ago as a business myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but most, mostly because when I, you know, when I had those issues and I went to my dad 
And, you know, he was also concerned, obviously. He was a little fearful that I might die or what have you. Mm -hmm. uh, he handed me his first yoga book. Uh, you know, like I said, I grew up with him doing yoga. So he handed me a Shivananda yoga book. I looked at it. I read it. Uh, I started the research on it. And uh, that's that's what really put me on the path of Shivananda lineage. And uh, I, I found myself, as I was studying Shivananda, always staring at and reading the Iyengar books. Mm -hmm. And going to uh, going to Anyasara classes, which is a, a deviation of of Iyengar. So uh, you know, I sort of found my voice within it as I started. Okay. Um, you you've had the opportunity to to travel the world. You know, just naming a couple of the places you've been to: Prague, you've been to Nigeria, Canada, London, Amsterdam. Uh, you've even sat atop a, a live volcano, witnessing uh, it erupt with hot magna. You're the first person that I've ever even heard of doing something <laughs> like that. So I have to ask, man, how was that experience for you? Yeah, that that was all. Um, that, and that, where uh, where was that at? Yeah, so the the volcano was in Pucón, which is in the south of Chile, and uh, and I was on Mount Villarica. Uh, okay. So if you look up Villarica, you know you can see the times that it erupted. Uh, you know, I was actually horrified. I, I uh, googled it not that long ago and saw one of their major eruptions. I was like, man, it was crazy that I was up there. And now I know why the guides were freaking out that day, and they were like, all right, it's time for us to get off the uh, volcano, the volcan. Um, but it was, um, you know, for me it was like hip hop. So I, I you know, I'm 45. So when I was younger, uh, hip hop was starting, and in the early days, people were contributing to hip hop. There was a new voice. Mm -hmm. There was a new perspective, a new point of view, like every week, literally. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember when Criss Cross came out, Jump Jump, like, you know, Criss Cross was out when KRS-One was out. So it was very diversified. Mm -hmm. So I looked at yoga in a, in a similar way. Mm -hmm. Yoga and, and also filmmaking, since I was a, a 20 years, I was a filmmaker. Mm -hmm. And so I just didn't feel prepared or ready enough to add my voice. I didn't really know who I was. So I, I sent myself traveling so that I could discover who I was. And it was very interesting. I, I share that with my wife all the time, talking about being in Chile in particular, that, um, you know, being surrounded by another language and I didn't know Spanish when I went there, I learned uh, for the six months that I lived there. Um, you find out who you are. Like I started, like Jay-Z's Black album got me through at first because there was no fried chicken. And I'm not being stereotypical. I'm saying my mother cooked fried chicken. There was no fried whiting. There was no um, macaroni and cheese, baked macaroni and cheese. There was no collard greens. Like So I had lost my culture. So I, I lost myself. I became borderless. And uh, I had no framework for who I was. And that's how, I, in a yogic sense, I got to learn what my ego really was, who I thought I was. I wasn't any of those things. But because I was born, because I was born and raised and had um, a repetition and reinforcement of this is who Changa is. Mm. You eat this in the morning for breakfast. Uh, you do this uh, for education. Once I was stripped of all of that, and there was a moment where I felt like I was losing my mind in Chile. Mm -hmm. I also, I also had lived through like five earthquakes there. Yeah, I'm from Baltimore. We don't have earthquakes. They mm -hmm. were. They were thrilling to me. They was like 4.3, 4.8. So they weren't like little tiny tremors. They were pretty, pretty solid. And I lived on a 23rd floor. So the building would just sway because it was earth, earthquake proof. Mm -hmm. So I had um, some, some confrontations with um, morality and existentialism, even, even within those little moments. But what happened is I emerged uh, with a sense of who I was as a human. human. I realized that I was compassionate. 
I realized that I was curious. I realized that I was loving. I realized that I was kind. So it was all of those things that had nothing to do with the type of food I ate, the music I listened to, or the people that were around me that had the same hue as me. So, um, you know, that, that was pretty much my, my curiosity and discovery uh, of wanting something to contribute to whatever I was doing, whether it was going to be filmmaking, rapping, or yoga. I just wanted to have a foundational base to provide. And I think that's why I'm having uh, such a, uh, a huge success now because I'm authentic in that sense that I'm not, um, you know, some carbon copy uh, as, as America has us often present ourselves. You know, we are what we what we do, what we see. We're not really coming from a place of authenticity often. Man, that was powerful. That, that was powerful to, to share and be able to say, you know, talk about those those times. What would you tell somebody who's looking to find that inner peace and that tranquility and that vulnerability uh, for their for themselves and in their life today, what what advice and what direction would you point them into? Should they go on a voyage, you know, to a to a foreign land in order to find that? Can they find that peace here in their hometown? Do they need to come, you know, to to study under you? Like, where do you, where does one go in order to find that if they're in search of, of peace <clears throat> and being borderless? I like that term. Yeah, yeah, I love that hearing you say that back. That's that's wild. Um, I, this is what I would do. So, so in my mindfulness training, I started taking classes online at Duke. And so, uh, ju- judgment is one of the seven principles of mindfulness. Mm-hmm. So, I find whenever uh, one of the words of judgment is should, right? So, I, I try to stay away from it. Okay. Um, but what, what, what people? And I'm not saying you were judging or or or, or anything. Mm-hmm. But so when I hear I hear myself telling what people should do. What people can do is just turn mm-hmm. inward. Uh, I'm, I answer everything with a story, so I share this, this story. I'll try to make it quick. I know I, I talk at length sometimes. I don't mean to do that. But when I when I, I went from Chile and lived in Prague for six months, right? Mm-hmm. And I was there. I did my film. I completed my film. On the night of my film premiere, I got a call. They come into the office with solemn faces. They said my brother was going to die. He's back in the States. Mm-hmm. Um, and my brother made some interesting choices. He was in and out of drug rehab and everything. So I had to leave Prague to go back uh, home. And mind you, I know I'm talking like I'm big money, but I'm a poor kid from Northeast Baltimore. So I'm on loans, credit cards, all of this. So I came back home. And when I was in the hospital, you know, praying with my brother, you know, watching him uh, pass away, he, he actually he fought for another eight months. He didn't pass away for eight months, but they didn't expect him to live through the night. Mm-hmm. And I made it there a day later. I was reading Rolling Stone magazine and I saw my um, my daughter's godfather, Jose, who had been killed in Iraq. I just, you know, literally I saw his name. I saw his leg. He got killed by IUD and I freaked out. Right. I just literally freaked out. But Jose had always wanted to be a soldier. I mean, this dude played with knives. He used to talk about killing people, shooting everything. So in that moment of sorrow, I had to really think about who he was. He came to the planet what some might say might judge as a violent person. Mm-hmm. But I knew him. He was a really sweet guy. He was the husband of my daughter's um, godmother. He was a good guy, a fun guy. I had lots of laughs with him. But all he wanted to do, bro, was be in war and shoot at people. And so he died living that life. So for him, his yoga, his peace, he found was being a soldier. Mm-hmm. For me, I, for me, I'm not a, a violent person in that way. Uh, I'm a what, what what I call a, a peaceful warrior, a cultural activist. So what suits me, what I discovered, as I shared with you in my travels, 
of going inward, I discovered who I was. So I guess that's how I would answer that question in a very long sense to bring it back around that people, and I'll use the word should uh, in, in the most objective sense, people should just look inward to who they really are and then learn the other principle of mindfulness, which is accepted. So if every time you close your eyes, you see blood, then, you know, you don't have to go kill people, but you might be somebody who is supposed to be a butcher, you know, in in there chopping up lamb legs every day, all day, giving meat to people. And you're p- playing your part in society as God has so ordained you with your own being. Or you so could I be a doctor. Get, say that again? I say you could be a doctor as well, a surgeon. Exactly, exactly. That That's my point, Kevin, is like, those are special people that that um, we require in society to, to live. So I don't try to make everybody a yogi or whatever, but I do want to, you know, I do try to uh, encourage people to look inward and really be okay with what they see. You know, we all got to come out the closet <laughs> in that way. It ain't, it, it's not a, about sexuality. It's about coming out of the closet and being comfortable with who you really are. You know, are you a porn star? Are you a teacher? You're, you know, all of these things are needed here. That those are people that came with these. They're not perversions. That that they play a part just like I do. How old were you, were you when you were doing all of this traveling? Oh, that, that's a great question because I was older. I went back to school. I was thirty. Mm-hmm. So um, I just got tired. I, I knew I was a very um, intellectually capable guy, but I was never able to really put my foot in the books like I wanted to because I had to work. I was a struggling black youth, so I always had to work. My grades were mediocre. But Mm -hmm. by the time I was 30, I was very committed. I had a little bit of uh, cash under me. And so I went back, became a McNair scholar, and started getting my Ph.D. in economics Mm because I I just did that well in uh, in school. So I was 30 to 34 um, Mm -hmm. when I went back to college. Okay. And did you achieve your Ph.D.? No, man, I left that program because I didn't really want to do a Ph.D. in economics. Um, that's a longer <laughs> political story. But that was also, you know, around that time, like I mentioned, my brother was passed and I just right. got married. Um, I had a kid on the way. Uh, not to excuse it, but I, I copped out of that um, economics thing. I really wanted to get it in, uh, in organizational behavior, which is strong in the psychology context. Mm-hmm. But the director of my program did not want to allow me to do that. So that that's the main reason I, I left because, you know. PhD is a big commitment. It needs to be something, I believe, in the voice of what it is you really want to do. And I, I didn't really want to do economics. Well, you know, that's the inner peace that you talked about, you know, finding exactly. it and, and being true to it, authentic. How long have you been a, a yoga instructor? I became certified in 2011. Okay. So six years. Been, I've been teaching. Yeah, yeah. I've been teaching since then. Okay, so how, how I'm sure that you changed and seen some, uh, you know, some some differences in some of the people that you've uh, had to had to uh, had the opportunity to impact. Can you tell us specifically about those differences and changes that you've seen in your students and community? Yeah, that's that's a deep question. That's like you uh, you've already been a student asking that question. Um, in some ways, it's a little scary because uh, I get the the real honor to support it's it's like being at a um at a gateway like i'm like a guide to guide you across a spiritual bridge mm-hmm. from one point to the other mm-hmm. um and so when when folks come to me in particular because they know it's not commercial they know it's not like oh we're gonna sweat and learn how to stretch uh like um chinese um, acrobats uh, they're coming to me because they want some sort of transformation because I'm going to hold them accountable to what they say they're going to do. It's not about doing something I say to do. I, I get them 
what is your path? What is your plan? What are your values going to be? And I'll make sure I remind you every time you see me. So it's a beautiful thing. It's like a butterfly being in a chrysalis. They, they, they grow their wings and they fly away. But it is um, sometimes a little bit terrifying for me because I'm like, man, they're going to change so much. So a lot of the ladies end up being divorced and, and very self-actualized. Um, one of my students had just uh, graduated. She's moving across the country to Colorado to chase her dreams. Um, you know, another one has uh, uh, completely... Now, now I'm flipping a little bit. I'm talking about my Sunlight and Yoga uh, not not non-for-profit business, my for-profit business. Mm-hmm. Because on, on the Black Male Yoga Initiative side, I only have one brother so far that's going to be certified, mm-hmm. and he gradu- he graduates in February. Mm-hmm. But for for him, the significant changes I've seen is that he has become a man. He's 27. Mm-hmm. He's got a house. He's got a house now. Uh, he's excelling in his career, but not only his career, but his entrepreneurship that he really wants to do. He wants to quit his job, so he's he's really on the line. He's about to quit. I can tell. Mm-hmm. Again, not my influence, just my observation. Of uh, you know, watching people become self-actualized on that on that road to yoga. Okay. What what would you say is your your favorite success story that you uh, of helping others maintain a healthier lifestyle? Um, I don't think I've met it yet. I, okay. You know, I, I don't have a favorite. It's um, it literally is like is is a treasured and honored um, position to be able to watch everybody transform. So you know, just like I have six kids. If somebody asked me who my favorite was, man, that's, that's an impossible. It's an impossible question. They're all so different and unique. Um, they're all just beautiful. So I, I don't have a favorite yet. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about that, man. You have six kids. You're a great father. Uh, you have a very close knit family. Uh, you even birthed your youngest son unassisted with only you and your wife. Man, what is your Ooh. secret to balancing work, play, and family life, man? <laughs> six kids. You know, entrepreneur. You know, how how do you do it? And you still keep the peace of your of your 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 person how, how? give us some tips yeah, man, man. <laughs> it, it's no it's no secret the secret is my wife devonna bell um it just like barack's secret was michelle obama the, mm-hmm. the secret is is really getting a great partner that um that understands you know so what, what my wife is i call her the secret sauce i say i'm the big mac but she's the secret sauce and you know what the big mac is without the secret sauce right it's a regular old hamburger it's a dry hamburger, and it's got the nerve to have all that extra bread. So um, really, the, the, <laughs> the secret is relationship. Because I was so um, solid in relationship with myself, um, I was able to be solid in relationship with her. And that doesn't mean we don't argue, man. We argue sometimes daily, uh, weekly. Uh, but that's just, uh, you know, sometimes that's communication between our roles. Like, mm-hmm. she has a role as my best friend. She has a role as my my cousin she's not my cousin but you know yeah she's a family member she got a role as my cousin she has a role as my wife she has a role as my business partner so mm-hmm. all these different things but you realize just like i was saying about traveling at the crux of it all it's just about relationship and so if you can understand relationship with yourself then you can understand relationship with everything else my relationship with food with tv with her it all becomes the same it's like how am i going to honor respect love and use empathy to guide us through this love more than anything to guide us through anything we experience so that's honestly the secret uh between uh you know the secret to raising these kids and raising these businesses and raising other people's kids 
and helping to raise adults as well is this I just shed love on everybody uh, but it's not my love it's, it's that um, that that creator love that agape that love of uh, of God I just uh, become the vessel I know that sounds cliche and corny uh-uh. but that's really what it is man okay can you give us a couple t- uh, tips, like three things someone should look for uh, in a partner, seeing that you, you know what I mean, you have found, you know, this perfect uh, young lady and, you know, the mother of your kids, six kids, man. Well, what are a couple things, you know, three things that we should be looking for in a partner? Man, I'm... She I'm can answer, too. I know she she around there. <laughs> <laughs> I knew, you said I found this perfect young lady. Boy, man, she, she's far from perfect. I'm far from perfect, but she's perfect for me. Exactly. And so I think to, to answer your question about what are, are three keys, mm-hmm. the first, uh, you know, in my opinion, the first is to uh, fall in love with yourself and get relationship with yourself. Uh, mm-hmm. For three years, I studied the Bible. I was out, not out there. I retired myself um, from philandering the way I used to. You know, I was like a lot of other folks out here smashing whatever I could see. I stopped doing that and I started the self-study. So first thing, really um, understanding self. A lot of our contemporary culture says, oh, we have your credit score intact and have your job. All of that is good, too. But, you know, that's not going to um, hold its weight worth water when you get into, uh, you know, some real legitimate uh, trouble. So that's the first thing. Uh, the second thing is being able to see yourself in your partner at all times. Because, you know, Kevin Hart has that joke about uh, getting so mad he had to outline his wife. You know, he said, I couldn't punch her. I just had to outline her face. Um, you know, what, what I see in that uh, that he was trying to say is that you would never, uh, you know, harm yourself. You know, it's not it's not about I'm not alluding to like a Chris Brown, Rihanna, like fist fight. I'm saying that if you were faced in a mirror, you know, some of us would, you know, there, there are things, there are uh, mental disorders we have. So some of us do cut ourselves, hurt ourselves, et cetera. I'm, I'm not speaking about that. It's just in a more of a general sense. Mm-hmm. We're not going to shoot ourselves in the foot. We're not going to punch ourselves in the eye. So it's really being able to see uh, yourself, you know, see that other person as a reflection of you. And that's the third thing, that in recognizing that that person as a reflection uh, also, those negative traits that you see in, in someone else is only because it exists probably three times as much in you. So that's why it comes back to self and self-study, being connected to that higher um, presence. Because whatever it is that she annoys me with or I find annoying, I know that's because it's in me. It's latent in me, and I definitely am annoyed with myself for it. And that form of, of sort of self-hatred or becomes like self-debasement and I try to take it out. If I can beat it out of someone else, then then it doesn't exist. And what I really know, and that's where meditation and the practice of yoga helps, is that I have to get on the mat and then begin to work on myself. And then magically those things that used to annoy me uh, disappear. And I think that, oh yeah, she worked on it. She loves me. No, it's not that she worked on anything. It's that I learned how to master it in myself and then I don't even see it anymore or it's not a, as big of a nuanced problem. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, can you give us, uh, let's say, three tips on, on being a great father? Uh, three tips on being a great father. This is great because I just wrote a book called 21 Affirmations for Dads. Mm-hmm. It is available on my website, uh, www.chengabell.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and in it, I have 21 tips, um, but... In a very simple manner, the first thing about being a dad is rise to your children when you see them. And what, what I mean is have your eyes sparkle 
and let your, uh, you know, your lips curl up into a genuine smile every single time you see your kids. Uh, the problem is, is that they don't know what a bad day is because they're innocent. And so when you've had a hard day at work, your supervisor's been getting in your butt and you're, you're two months uh, late on rent. When they see you, they think that that sour face is because of them. So that starts that trauma that we pass on to our kids where they start to hate themselves and not feel happy about being who they are. So rise to them when they enter the room or whenever you see them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second the second thing about being a great dad is being present, being fully present. Not, um, you know, even if you're watching the game and it's your favorite team against your favorite other team, uh, not just like, mm-hmm, uh-huh, yeah, when they're talking. But, you know, looking at them in the eyes or or having or teaching them respect by saying, you know what, not right now. Give me to the commercial break. That isn't making them second. That is letting them uh, letting them know that you want to be fully present. So I would say being fully present uh, for the child is the second thing. And then the last thing is that to, to value them over everything. Uh, when my daughter was three, she dropped my iPad and cracked it. But rather than whip her behind like they would have done to me in the 70s, I looked at her and I was like, I couldn't hide my disappointment. But after I was disappointed for however many seconds that took, I looked at her and I said, it's all right. I can get another one. It's daddy's fault. I shouldn't have given it to you. You're only three years old. I said, I'll get another one of these, but I can't get another one of you. So it's okay. Mm-hmm. And you should have seen the smile wash over her face. So I think a lot of times in our culture, we value uh, material things over you know, the actual human spirit in, in, in these kids. So if there is no sofa, no car that's more expensive, then, I, you know, I could replace any of that stuff, but I cannot replace my kids. So, you know, really valuing them and showing them that through your actions. Okay. Thank you for that, man. Uh, that is very powerful. I want to switch back and talk about uh, yoga a bit more before we jump into the dolphin tank. Uh, so I guess, uh, you know, I want to know what's the overall goal of BMI, uh, the Black Male Yoga Initiative? Uh, the overall goal is to train 1,000 yoga teachers, uh, 1,000 black men as yoga teachers, so that each one of those those uh, teachers, certified teachers, become community leaders or household leaders. Mm-hmm. And then it'll grow, it'll grow from there. I mean, you know, to let it take on a, a life of its own, I don't want to um, sit over top of it and... Mm-hmm. And, and not allow others to express what yoga means to them. So my personal goal is to certify a thousand black men as yoga teachers mm-hmm. and then sit back and, and, and watch that man be like the Russell Simmons of yoga. Just watch it, watch it all uh, happen after that. So that, that's that's the simple goal. What encouraged you to focus on men? Uh, because being a black man myself, I think, um, you know, we're, we're obviously um, there is a, a lot of forces. Mm-hmm. Oh, I need to plug my. I need to plug my computer and it's about to cut off. Hold on. There's a lot of forces against us. Mm-hmm. And um, so I just wanted to be a force for us. So uh, because there's no no hero, no Calvary, no nothing coming to save us. So it's going to love on black men, but black men. Right. And we don't even know how to, how to feel comfortable loving on each other. We think we think loving on each other. And this is no slight, slight to the Greeks because, you know, my wife is um, is a.k.a. And there was a time where I was underground with a, a couple of real good fraternities. Um, well, not a couple, one. Uh, but getting, you know, getting beat is not necessarily loving on us. And we do all of that. We get these beatings so we can love on each other afterwards. It's almost like, yeah, now that I showed you I was a man, I can love on you. And, you know, that's not necessarily the most positive way, especially for our young kids that already shoot each other a lot and 
and pound on each other and gang fights and all this. So I just wanted to come with an alternative, uh, you know, to, to help, um, you know, to help men understand like, yo, we can love each other without, you know, hurting each other. What would you say are some of the biggest benefits of doing yoga and what does one need to do in order to receive them? Uh, the biggest benefit of doing yoga is um, you really, I, I, well, I hope what I've read from other testimonies of the classic masses and what I understand from uh, some of my contemporaries that I talk to is that you just become authentically who you are and you become co- comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. And that's the, the best outcome, I believe. And then the physical outcome is that your body is uh, it, able to endure. Your immune system is high. Like my dad, I mentioned he's 75. He started getting a little sick here and there now, but his entire life, I never saw him sick. I had the measles, the chicken pox, everything around him. This man never got sick. So your immune system is strong. So physically, you're healthy. Mentally, you're stable. Spiritually, you're connected. Mm-hmm. And the easiest way to, to start is to give yourself five to ten minutes a day, mostly in the morning, mm-hmm. of just absolute stillness, just sitting down on the floor, just sitting in stillness, letting your thoughts be what they are observing them and after a while you start to realize that um you are not your thoughts you'll hear all of this stuff going on in your head and you realize well what is the quiet knowing that's watching all of this anyway what's the quiet knowing that knows i'm irritated i'm sitting on the floor i heard this stupid guy talk on this podcast he's making me sit on his floor i got stuff to do you realize like (laughs) who are all of those voices Mm -hmm. that are Mm -hmm. telling you to do that there is some little quiet centered peace and that, that is uh, the benefit. That's what you'll get out of it. And that the simplest thing is just to sit still. Okay. Um, mm. You had a, a radio show, and I was just intrigued by the title. It was called Relationship Experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you tell us just a little bit about that? Yeah, so the, the Relationship Experience, uh, unfortunately, is not on FM radio at the present time. It was canceled from Morgan State University uh, radio about a month ago with seven other shows because the the leadership decided to go an extremely different uh, direction. But it was a show. uh, We've had guests that had been on um, Oprah's show and everything else. My wife produced it. But it deals with the locus of control. Mm -hmm. A lot of times I say locus of control, people think I'm saying focus. But it's a uh, psychology term that basically a lot of us... um, currently deal with an external locus of control, meaning that we give up our power. We feel that we are uh, outcomes of the circumstances around us. Mm-hmm. That is somewhat true, but, you know, if you were born in war-torn Sarajevo or, or Darfur, uh, you know, you still can make it to America to become a successful author. Like, we've seen people that do that. And mm-hmm. those are people who have a more of an internal locus of control, mm-hmm. who believe that they, they have the power to manifest the outcomes in their lives and to change everything about their lives. And so the relationship experience was about highlighting people with an internal locus of control as a way of um, exciting, stimulating, or motivating others, you know, listeners most importantly, to develop an internal locus of control uh, because uh, the majority of us have external locus of control. Okay. Well, another question that I have to ask is how can I join the movement or how can people join the movement um, to become a part of uh, the, the Black Male Initiative or to become a part of, you know, the, the endeavors that you're pursuing? Because, I mean, we all need to have all that peace and tranquility, in my opinion. 
Yeah, I mean, that that is the challenge, the question uh, that you're asking now, how people get involved. Mm-hmm. I get emails uh, weekly. They're not up to the point of daily, but I get emails weekly of people that want to get involved. And so I'm a uh, recently I'm a Red Bull, I'm a Pico fellow, and that's an international sort of uh, nod uh, with the Red Bull energy drink. And one of the things they help me do is scale. So mm-hmm. your question is asking about scale. I already mentioned that I, I don't want to... Um, you know, outright, uh, you know, manipulate and sort of lead the organization as uh, as one might do Sony, per se, or, or, you know, Microsoft. What I'm looking to do is create more of an open source uh, network. And so scaling that up has been a little difficult because there are these tenants um, that I would hope that people would um, adopt so that we have some sort of conformity within it so we can at least recognize like, oh yeah, that, that, that brother must have been trained in the Black Male Yoga Initiative. So um, I'm working on those things now, videos and, and, and ways to certify, but the easiest way now is to organize a group of five to 10 men in your city mm-hmm. and um, to, to pick a weekend in which you can all commit to. And then I can come in either two weeks at a time or um, uh, one weekend a month uh, for several months and certify those five to ten men and I'll do it for free uh, so that's the easiest way to get involved once you're certified then uh, then there is a will and an the, the actionable um, skill that uh, that you will have as a man to, to then make an impact so it's, that, that's the easiest thing uh, right say yo I got this group we're ready on Wednesdays and we can do it we can commit we're ready on the, the second weekend of every month whatever it is that's the easiest way to get involved right now Okay. Well, just curious from a business standpoint, if you're doing it for free, how does that help? Um, well, it, it's a non-profit. I mean, how does that? So oh, I, got you. Yeah, it's a non-profit. So I, I, I'm, I'm having funders and donors. And also, I shouldn't leave out that if you already are, it's not like I'm the only black male certified um, yoga instructor. If you already are a black male yoga instructor and you're listening, same sort of thing. Then I can um, just sort of um, give continuing education credits because mm-hmm. uh, I've developed a curriculum, the life force development curriculum. Mm-hmm. So that, that would make it scale up even faster. So for uh, someone who's already certified, they can look over the curriculum. If, if they feel like it's something they want to be involved in, they, they can adopt it. And I'll actually pay them mm-hmm. 50000 a year to certify um, 10 more teachers. So if wow. 10 uh, teachers, they'll get 50000 for the year for their studio uh, to do that. So, you know, that's, beautiful. that's a way to get involved. Okay. Uh, now we got to we got uh, to switch modes, man. It's, it's time to, to dive in the dolphin tank. Are you ready for this? Yeah, the dolphin tank scares me, bro. I don't like sitting in the dunk tank, let alone getting in the dolphin tank. But I'm I'm ready. I only I should say to your listeners that you do not send pre-interview questions. Nope. And you didn't you didn't tell me what the heck a dolphin tank was until about two minutes before this thing started. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to be honest with you, man. See, this is, the, this is the beauty of it. You know, if you were going into the shark tank, you got to be worried about losing some limbs. You know, dolphins, you know, you jump into a tank with the dolphins, you know, you're going to be all right. So... I don't know, man. They're still strong. They take you under the water. Well, that's the thing. You feel me? You're once you jump in, jump in. You're a dolphin as well. So you know what I mean. It's fair play. You know, equal, equal, equal in strength. Right. All right, brother. Let's do it. Let's do it. I like that. I like that. The attitude. Uh, What's the top tech that you're um, that you're using to make your businesses run smoothly? The top tech. Yep. Wow. That I'm using. You know. 
I couldn't do anything without Harvest. Harvest is an app that allows me to bookkeep and, um, you know, Harvest and PayPal. It's all about getting the money in so that I can disperse it. I'm like Robin Hood. So Harvest and Pay- PayPal are my two top techs. Okay. The app. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, favorite book that you would tell uh, our listeners to listen uh, to, to, um, to read? Wow. Favorite book. That's another hard one. If you could, if I, if I could show you my messy library that I'm in now, mm-hmm. I carry around at least a hundred books on my Kindle at all times, and I, um, you know, I guess I got about three hundred in here. I really love books. I'm reading Charlemagne's book right now. It's a really dope book. Um, uh, you know, um, Black Privilege. But I'd have, right? Yeah, Black Privilege. Uh-huh. I'd have to say that my favorite book of all time right now is the the autobiography of a yogi or Malcolm X's autobiography. Okay. Um, the the three most impactful books that uh, impacted my life is Anwar Sadat's autobiography, Malcolm X's autobiography. I know you asked me for my favorite, but I'm sorry. No, keep going. And, and, keep um, going. The, the Invisible Man by Ralph Ellison. And then, uh, you know, that fourth one had to be the autobiography of a yogi. Those are my top four as, as one favorite. And then I'm leaving out the Bible. The Bible is the bomb. Okay. What's your favorite quote and why? Favorite quotes a similar thing. I have a lot of favorite quotes. I love Robert Robert uh, Frost's poem about two uh, two uh, paths diverged in yellow wood. But recently, this quote has me um, as a yoga uh, as a yogi or a yoga instructor. Really, is a powerful one. It says, uh, "Great doubt, great awakening. Little doubt, little awakening. No doubt, no awakening." Oh, I like that. Yeah, so that's just that's powerful. powerful. And all of this, all this stuff I'm doing as a yoga instructor for myself, and all this stuff of, of quote unquote teaching other people, man. If you just don't have doubt, you just have faith. You you don't you don't have a, an awakening. There is no self actualization. You're already self actualized. So, I, I love that quote. That's my favorite one. Okay, uh, what are three things nobody can escape this show without answering this question? What are three things that you would tell someone looking to create their best life? Three, three. Well, first of all, I don't want to escape this show. I, I enjoy talking with you, brother. So thank you for uh, again for for having me on. But three things. Uh, say it again. Three things that the, the three no, things that you would tell someone looking to create their best life. Three things that I would tell someone that are looking to create their best life. Yep. Man, um, one is is hug on, hold on, don't let go of peace. Don't let don't let your inner peace be um, be in, impinged upon by any person or anything. Uh, number two is um, you know there's been this theme of uh, of authenticity. I just say be authentic, uh, and if you don't know what that is, spend your whole life trying to find out what that is. Mm. Um, and then uh, and the last one is uh, again to develop the life you want uh, to have. Um, is it you got to be curious. Um, but I, I need to, and I know I, you keep asking me for three, I'll give you like 10. That curiosity <laughs> has to come with compassion because not curious to the sense that, um, you know, you're going to go up and start dancing uh, naked around a pole. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with that, but you don't necessarily have to enter the dark corners to, uh, to get your information. But so that's what I'm saying. Curious, but with compassion, but curious in the sense of, of being open to other expressions of what life really is. Those, those are the um, those are my three top things. Okay. So what's next for you, man? What, what's going on? What, what, where, where do you see yourself and what's happening? Uh, 
Yeah, when people when people ask me what's next, I don't know. I just remain open to the influence of God, you know. So from day to day, I know where, you know, there's destiny and there's destination. So, mm. uh, you know, I know my destiny is to, is to return home at some point that I'm going to be called back to the great father, mother that put me here in the first place. Uh, but in between there, I, there are some points, some A, B, C, Ds and E's, some little points that I've plotted out where I'd like to go. Uh, that's my destination. And I know that I'll never get to my, my destiny or my, my destination if I don't uh, just listen. So I, I just try to wake up each moment and be obedient. Mm-hmm. Um, some, sometimes I don't get to go to the destination I'd like to go. Uh, there are structural things spiritually or physically that come about. And so I try to uh, be obedient to those. That, that's not to say that I won't try to overcome or defeat a challenge. Uh, I just try to get quiet inside and really uh, be obedient. So I think what's next for me is is continued growth, uh, and that that's going to show up in my bank account, which I've been very happy to see, because mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we struggled as a family for a long time. So continued financial growth, mm-hmm. and I will uh, I will always be a teacher healer, because uh, that's what I was set on this planet to do. So I will uh, go and, and teach corporate. I think is what's next. I, I'm getting a lot more calls corporately, mm-hmm. organizationally. Um, but I know that this year upcoming is the year for financial freedom for me. So that's what's up next. Financial freedom. OK, love it. So how can we keep in contact with you? Yeah, I think the best uh, way right now uh, the, for the Black Male Yoga Initiative is www.bmyi.org. Um, for me personally, like as a speaker, as a as a CEO founder, just knowing what I'm doing next uh, is is www.changabell.com mm-hmm. and my name is C-H-A-N-G-A-B-E-L-L all one word uh, dot com those two sites uh, are a good way they, they all have sign up sheets or, or ways to contact me and, uh, and I'm very responsive I usually sit up unfortunately um, not uh, to my family's desire I sit up to about two in the morning every night and try to answer as many emails or personal um, uh, you know points of correspondence that I get. So that's the best way to keep in touch with me. Okay. And your social media handles? At Chenga Bell on Twitter uh, and on Facebook and on Instagram. Okay. Uh, Instagram is one of my favorite ways uh, to to keep up with folks. So yeah, definitely hit me on Instagram. Okay. Awesome. Well, Chenga, man, thank you so much for being on the Create Your Life series. It's been a pleasure to have you, brother. And like I said, the honor was all mine. Thank you for, uh, for asking me to be on, and I look forward to uh, connecting with you again soon. Okay, will do. Beautiful people, this is the Create Your Life series. I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown. We are uh, here with uh, Mr. Changa Bell, and this is the turnaround. And as you know, the turnaround means that I have not been able to talk to Changa, ask him what, he's, what three questions he's going to ask me, but whatever he asks me, I have to answer. So, Changa, the floor is yours. You are in control. Wow, man. I, I love this. I love the turnaround. So I get to ask you three questions, any three in my mind about um, uh, about you. So I guess the first, is it like a daily ritual or spiritual practice you do to keep you connected to a higher source? I have a daily routine that keeps me grounded. Yes. Um, and so my daily routine consists of uh, waking up. And so it's called SPARM, right? Love it. And so it's uh, I... I stretch, I pray, I read at least 10 pages, I listen to affirmations that I've created for myself, and then I also listen to something motivational. Those are, that's my daily routine to keep me grounded, um, to just have the best day possible. 
That's that's awesome. So I hope I hope you won't delete that and you keep that in because I think from the outside I know uh-huh. that um, one of my brothers he's a you know he's a new right and, mm-hmm. and I remember we went to Hampton together and whenever we would hang out, man, we get trash all that. But every day we went in, mm-hmm. he would uh, you know no matter what time you see his light going, he'd be studying. Yeah. Right? He, he lives in France with his wife. Um, he ended up going to MIT. Mm-hmm. He also would read the Bible every day. But on the outside, you're like, oh, this is a Baltimore dude. He just happened to be a pretty boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he plays. Uh, he's this and that. People don't know that, man, there's a lot of spirituality mm-hmm. uh, behind you. So I hope you can keep that in because, you know, I would have never guessed that about you. And then the fact that you even named it something, that's, that's dope, man. Yeah. So I'm trying to figure out where to put the other letter in there because another thing that I've learned in, you know, like yourself, trying to achieve financial freedom and trying to, uh, you know, uh, be more responsible with finances is I'm adding in, it's either going to be an F or a B. The F is for finances or the B is for bank account. I need to check my bank account every single day just to make sure that whatever I was charged, you know what I mean? Or whatever I wrote down as that tip is the exact Mm -hmm. amount that hits the account and to be more mindful of my resources. Um, so I need to add in that F or B to that. So it'll probably be a name change the next time we talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that, that that's powerful, man. Thank you for sharing that. And uh, so then the, the next uh, question I would ask is, what um, what do you think has been the most defining moment of your life so far, and 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 how did it define you uh, into this new trajectory or into a new trajectory? Mm. The most defining moment of my life. So far, yikes! Yeah. I mean, there's just been so many different turn, uh, so many different points. Um, I think one point in my life that a lot that I don't really talk about a lot is uh, so I, I grew up in foster care. I went went into foster care when I was nine months out in California, and my sister and I we moved around a lot, and we lived in about nine different homes by the time I was five, but we were living in this shelter in, I believe it was San Francisco. And at, when we first got there, it was a bunch of kids in the shelter, but the shelter was closing. And we were the last two kids to be selected to have a home of the people in that shelter because nobody would take a boy and a girl, would take a brother and a sister. They would take a single kid or they would take kids of, you know, of the same gender, but they wouldn't take a boy and a girl. And it's about four different four years between my sister and I. And one day I remember like literally playing. It's like this big four story building. And I'm like playing in there by myself because it's just me and my sister in there. And, you know, there's like two staff left, you know. And one day this late, this older lady came and sat down with my sister and I in a room. And we sit there. So at this time, when I was younger, I didn't talk. The only person I talked to was my sister. So I wasn't vocal at all. Kind of like a mute. And so I sat there and I was just playing with my toys. And my sister's sitting there having a conversation with this lady. And I'm like, what? You know, I'm not really paying attention. And the next, later on that day, we were in a car taking a trip. Later on, I realized that we were moving to Vallejo. Which is where I grew up in in, uh, in California, primarily from the age of five until eighteen, and so I think that that was a huge turning point in my life because from there, once I touched Vallejo, is where I really um, grew and, and had uh, more of an opportunity. But that was a defining moment because 
Um, you know, this woman who took us in, Mary Jackson, she was a very loving woman, very uh, God-fearing woman from Texas originally, actually. And, you know, I lived there up until 11 days before I turned 12, 12 days before I turned 12. And then I ended up going back there again at 17 because I called my county worker because my foster dad was being abusive and living in that home was like a living hell. Another conversation. But she was always that you know, such an amazing person for me. And she actually even went with me to uh, drop my clothes off and, and enroll in college. So I would say that her coming to get me and my sister was probably a huge defining moment for my life. Definitely my an angel. God, man. My God, that is a powerful testimony, bro. Whew. This is what I mean about being curious. <laughs> like why it's my, you know, part of my life. Nobody would ever know, like, for listeners, man, I've met this smooth brother, you know, strolling, doing the Kappa stroll, doing a guy concert kind of thing. Like, brother got it all together. Who knew that you can't overcame something as high as a mountain to get to standing in that room at the same time? And I had the honor and privilege to stand in that room with you. Forget the brothers that are on the stage. You know, as your story is where the power is. <laughs> That's that's amazing, man. I can't thank you enough for sharing that testimony. That's something that'll stick with me the rest of my life, brother. Man, I appreciate you um, saying that. Thank you. No, no, that's that's real. That's and 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 the power and the um wow, and the thought in which you just shared it. You shared it um as if you've shared it a million times and, and I'm sure you said in the beginning that you don't often tell the story. Uh and you knew exactly how many days it was, uh, you know, you were like twelve days later. You know, or 12, but, you know, 12 days before my 12th birthday. I mean, it's just, uh, so obviously it was very significant. So that's, that's probably, thank you so much for sharing that, man. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, and, and the last uh, question, I guess, since uh, I get the honor of asking three, is it, uh, what's your wish for the world, Kevin? Like, if you could wave a, a magic wand um, to contribute one thing to the planet, what, what is your wish for the world? I want to see... I genuinely enjoy seeing people win and I like to see them win at what they want to, what makes them happy and what they want to win at. So if I could see everybody create their life and be happy the way in the manner in which they want to be, that's authentic to them. Not what they think success is, not what they think life should be, but what matters to them, then I would be happy. And, and, and that is why, you know, the create your life series exists is because it's literally that you know create your life and I, i've said this before you know to my listeners the create your life family they know and, you know the reason why this is called the create your life series is because when i was 16 i got kicked i left class and you know was on the verge of being suspended until my vice principal i mean one of the administrators at my school said what do you want to do with your life i said i want to create my life i want to move as far away from here i want to be a host for mtv i want to have my own clothing company i want to you know create a life where i'm happy all the time and that my family is okay and that you know we're all happy all the time and that's you know where the name comes from and you know i believe that you can genuinely do whatever it is that you want to do in life as long as you put your mind to it and i'm just committed to that yeah, see, if I have, still have my show. You be on it. That's that locus of control right there, brother. That's powerful. Man, thank you, thank you so much for this opportunity to ask you a few questions. And I hope I didn't um, offend or, or come off too invasive. I definitely was just curious. So thanks for honoring and answering those questions, bro. Nah, nah, most definitely. Most definitely. Nah, I mean, it, it's, 
it's all good. You know, I appreciate you taking the time, man, and, and I appreciate us having a the, just a dialogue, bro. You ain't you ain't offend me. You know what I mean? I, I nothing that you said in any way to me was from a a malicious place. I don't even get that energy yeah. from you. You know what I mean? From the That's time right. I met you, I know we didn't really talk in, in depth uh, at the uh, at the conference, but you know, just reading your energy, man, and, and just the time we had to. To uh to build, you know, and engage. Yes. It, it's all good, man. I actually would love to keep in contact with you. I'm actually interested in you know finding more about that peace and that tranquility, um, you know, as I'm on this journey uh, personally. So, absolutely, absolutely, man. That'd be my pleasure. Okay, awesome. Well, shoot, brother. Um, I'm gonna DM you on on Skype. My cell phone number. Please shoot me a text, man. Let's stay in contact and whatever you need. You know what I mean? Especially if you come up to New York. You know, I'm here. Absolutely, man. And, and likewise, you down here in the DMV area, DC, Virginia, whatever, Baltimore, definitely hit me up. I'll do okay. the same. Beautiful people, if you enjoyed this episode of the Create Your Life series, be sure to download it from our podcast, which is available on createyourlifeseries.com, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Music. Also, be sure to leave a review of the podcast. You can catch us live on Sundays from 5.30 to 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time via 90.3 FM in New York or on Facebook Live at facebook.com backslash kevbrown1. We encourage you to participate in the conversation on Facebook or call in at 212-650-6903. Follow us on Instagram at CYL Series and at Kevin Y. Brown. Be blessed, and we'll see you back here live next week. Create your life. 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 Create your life.